Let's spell a song so you can sing along with my special guest star too. For two, you like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today, I paired two people together, two besties of the pod together, to talk about this thing. It's Aaron <laughs> Marsh and Ariana Armand, everyone. Woo! This thing. This yeah, thing. that yes. yes. <laughs> How are you both? Good. As Ariana is drinking, I'm assuming a spiked <laughs> beverage. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's like a hydration thing because this stupid. Uh-huh. I, right. I saw that and I was and I thought, oh, that's how I rough know. this movie was. <laughs> no, it wasn't rough. And I thought, I mean, actually, that's kind of. Uh, I mean, to, to get like really early into sharps and flats, that's kind of a flat. It's not nearly as batshit as I was hoping for. Well, hold on. Let me <laughs> let me introduce it. And then I have a theory that I think will make sense out of all okay. this movie. So we're here today to talk about The Magic Flute from 2022. The screenplay is by Andrew Lowry, Jason Young, and David White. Music and lyrics by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Yes. That's it. Those That's all I got. Mozart. <laughs> That's what was written. Uh, I know, I know. Somebody messed that up. <laughs> there, there wasn't any sort of translation because Mozart is clearly German, but like he wrote operas in other languages too. Right, Just, but he was he was never the librettist. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, uh, and it's directed by Florian Siegel. I'm going with it. That's good. Cool that. And according to IMDb follows 17-year-old Tim Walker as he travels from London to the Austrian Alps to attend the legendary Mozart boarding school. There, he discovers a centuries-old forgotten passageway into the fantastic world of Mozart's The Magic Flute. Before we get started, I need to talk about this theory I have to make sense of this movie. So my theory is that Some producer's assistant had a couple of scripts, one being the magic flute, another one being this boarding school rom-com, and somehow mixed the pages up on accident, and then this was created. Does that, that's the only logical explanation I have for this, because every time that That they're, because like, when they're in the world of the magic flute, I'm like, yes, I'm here. I don't understand a lot of the styling. What is with the giant snake? I don't remember that from the opera, but we're here. And then we go to the boarding school moments and I'm like, book scenes are boring. Because <laughs> <laughs> both of you pitched this to me as the ba- the crazy magic flute. And I, you know, I was like, I've seen the trailer for it. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be insane. But watching it, I'm like, wow, this is not as crazy as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, like I said before we started recording, I I hadn't actually seen it. I'd seen a lot of reviews. I'd seen a lot of, you know, there's this fabulous Instagram review of it. Um, And I was like, yes, this is is my niche. This is like the batshit opera. This is what I do on this podcast. And then I watched it and I was disappointed because it was not nearly as batshit as I was expecting it to be. 
Now, Aaron, did you see this before? I yeah, I saw this at the theater or, or yeah, the, like the cinema when it uh, did a short run. Um, I, I, my my husband and I went to see it and didn't have a lot to say afterwards. You know, it was just kind of like, <laughs> well, that was something we've seen. You know. <laughs> It felt like they were inspired by other things. Like in Ready Player One, they go into like other movies and things like that and recreate that. So that's why I was like, oh, that's clearly what he what Tim Tamino is doing in the world of the magic flute. I just wish this was just the magic flute. Like <laughs> we didn't yeah. need right. the boarding school. Well, see, I remember the marketing when I first saw the marketing for it, they were kind of trying to played off as like if harry potter was the magic flute and watching it i was like i got much more a um never-ending story vibe yes or, or chronicles same. of narnia yeah, vibe i was uh, like I, why yeah. like well, like boarding school was the only connection to harry potter for me i was like why is he bouncing back into the real world like all that stuff is unimportant in my opinion so Here's one of the things that worked for me with the bouncing back into the real world. So as, as far as the actual opera goes, I have a lot of problems with it. <laughs> um, as much as I like love singing Queen of the Night and, and that kind of thing, and, and I will go see any production of it I can find. One of the things that's always bothered me is Tamino is like the worst character ever. Tamino <laughs> does nothing. Tamino, Tamino is like your mediocre white guy who gets everything because he's a mediocre white guy like like the the three ladies save him from the snake papageno really saves pamina there's like but with this with him being pulled out of the story uh it it worked a little bit better because it it gave you that so like there's like that first segment and oh thank god he actually like fell and hit his head he didn't just pass out like in the opera he just passes out like oh no it's a big snake and i'm terrified and he just passes out and it's stupid um so like the fact that he actually like fell and hit his head and like got knocked out made so much more sense and and made him like much less of a mediocre white guy um but him being pulled out so that when he comes back the you know the spirit said to him oh papageno already went on because you disappeared whereas there's like no explanation for that in the opera he's just <laughs> oh so that that is true so this movie is kind of true to the opera surprisingly this is like one of the things that i found really interesting about it is it's it's actually like a really good redaction of the opera i I mean it gives you most of the the most of the important points there's definitely still still some questions that i have about it but but it it gives you like the important points of the opera it it, like it, it gives you the full story with like just pulling out a lot of extraneous stuff that you have in opera because you know an opera's got to be three hours long. You know? Have you seen the opera yeah. before, Aaron? I know Ariana I, has. I have, seen. and it was hard to. I was really trying to isolate my viewing of the movie to not think too much about, like, not compare it too much to the actual opera because, of course, it's going to fail. You know, so I, I I was trying not to compare the two, but of course that's like impossible. Um, <clears throat> but I thought the same thing. It gives the reason for Papageno to come in contact to find the princess first, uh, an explanation, which is not given in the opera, actually. And then um, there's also a lot of, uh, (laughs) 
well there's a lot of like racist and sexist parts of the opera as well which then when they redacted it they're kind of able to just skip right over that what do you mean (laughs) you know and that's it doesn't always have to be like that in modern you know in modern productions some lines are cut uh characters are casted different of course all those things but yeah it just skipped right over all those problematic parts an opera from 1791 is racist. What? <laughs> Who would have yeah. thought? So yeah, I was I was reading about it because the opera premiered in Vienna uh, in September 1791, and obviously it's been done over and over again. The opera being De Zaberflaut, which I don't remember if the movie actually says that. I think they always call it the Magic Flute. They 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 stick to English so. for everything. <laughs> So even though technically this is taking place like in Austria. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and everyone's British. So Aaron, <laughs> um, what is your because yeah. Ariana and I have talked at length about opera and everything. What is your opera? Do you have an opera background? Or are you like into more opera than musical? What's just uh, 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 just as a fan um, in basically like in uh, probably late high school, early college, I I, uh, I collected vinyl. And there was um, opera box sets that libraries were were getting rid of, wow. and um, you know they have they have the libretto inside so you can listen and read along, and then um, yeah, just just started following. Um, you know, I go go see them, of course. Uh, I studied I studied theater in college, so there was like exposure to that as well. But but most of my yeah most of my familiar opera is just from seeing it for a number of years. So the two of you have seen this show in English, I'm assuming? I've seen it in German, Uh, yeah. But have you seen it in English? I don't think I've ever, I've listened to it in English. I don't know that I've ever seen an English performance. Okay, and Ariana? Yeah, I I did see, I have seen the Julie Taymor production at the Met, um, Mm -hmm. which is is in English and and it's a a reduction. It's kind of their holiday show. I mean, and this is another positive for this film is this is one of the better English translations I've heard. That's where I was going with this. Cause like uh, I've worked yeah. on a, I've worked on this show a couple of times and I don't really working backstage. I don't pay attention to translations <laughs> or words or anything. I know what my cues are. That's it. So watching this though, I was like, is this a truth? Like a, like a, like, are they boiling down the essence of what is said in the German production? Yeah. To- yeah. It's yeah. it's pretty, I mean, it's a pretty accurate translation, but it's one of the better formed translations, I guess. I have always refused to learn an English translation um, be- because right. they're so terrible. Um, and, and that goes for, for most operas. There's there's very few things that I, I am willing to sing in English if that wasn't the original language, just because it's awkward. Things don't quite fit right or don't right. quite make sense. Um, so I was actually really impressed with this translation because none of it, none of it pulled me out. None of it was like, oh, but that that is not, that's just like a clunky phrasing or something like that. And none of it felt like that to me, which well, so uh, was impressive to me. I haven't actually seen a production. I've worked on them. Like I said, <laughs> I haven't seen it. So like, I'm only getting what my knowledge is of this. And I would like to... This is where I'm going to announce that Aaron and I are going to be doing a series of episodes based around the magic flute. And this is the first part of the series. And I was like, okay, 
I guess. I, I thought guess. you might rethink that after seeing this one. <laughs> no, because you know what? I have a bunch of questions about the opera that I don't want to okay. ask right now because I wasn't sure how honest this was with the opera, given that it goes back and forth. But it's sounding like it's a pretty good representation. And like uh, you both said that it gives some sort of justification for some things that happen like Tamino disappearing. Cause I'm assuming yeah. when good introduction. He, Cause he disappears like the first time after the, the ladies, right? Right. After the three ladies, after right. the three ladies. And then he shows up again when Papageno is about to free Pamina. And that happens in the opera. I'm assuming. Yeah, and but there's no Basically. explanation for it. He just he just all of a sudden Tamino is not part of the action and all of a sudden Papageno is like the hero. And you're like, but why are we all why why are we all falling over Tamino? I do have a question about the opera though, which I'm not sure if this movie really answered it. So maybe with your both of your knowledges combined you could figure it out. Does Papageno know who she is? Like, is she a thing? Is she, or is she supposed to be some sort of like magical counterpart for him that he just knows of but has never met? So what you what you miss in this production, um, because of truncating the, the opera <laughs> production, I know, whatever, um, because of truncating it. So when they go through the trials um, and that first trial where they're not allowed to speak. The reason Papageno fails is because this old woman comes to him and says that she's Papagena. And they have this whole back and forth. And he's like, oh, no, you can't possibly be Papagena. You're ugly and hideous and whatever. And that's why he fails the test is because he, he's... But he fighting, knows of he's her fight, existence. He's, yeah, so he knows of her existence. So he's, he's, but he's like fighting off this very aggressive old hag, basically. <laughs> what we see at the end... Yeah, movie. what you when... what you see at the end only it's much more drawn out and much and much more comical. Okay. So the thing about the opera is that it's supposed to it's a fantasy. We're in mm-hmm. even though it's you know what 1780s 90s while Mozart's writing it it's a fantasy. There is no like book or story that this is based off of, correct? No, correct. it it was basically Mozart trying to write about masonry and myth yeah oh yeah and, and he got he got into a lot of trouble for that uh, <laughs> there's there's a whole lot of masonic imagery and secrets yeah in the text that you know he was not supposed to divulge. when it took tim that long to realize that three is a magic number yes it is you're welcome school of, uh <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was rocking uh i was just like i I I didn't I don't know I wanted to hit him so hard, but I'm they assuming were... that's what you're supposed to do with Tamino as well. You want to right? Just yeah, you just want to. Yeah, Tamino just needs to be backhanded. But yeah, no, and and that was one of the things that I had a hard time with because the character of Tim apparently has some connection to the magic flute because of his father. Uh, so supposedly, like, yeah, he's going into this world and he's supposed to be like in the moment with it, but he should like kind of know the plot should kind of have a no. basic idea yeah, thank you thank you because i'm like this is supposed to this is allegedly your favorite opera you have this book that your dad stole from the school and you presumably have read it before so 
how do you not know what's next in the opera? I get it though that like maybe in the maybe they're trying to say that in the heat of the moment he's shitting his pants because he's in a magical world and he doesn't. He's like, oh, now it's I'm living in it. I'm not playing it on stage. But like, I don't know this. Movie- well, I, I, I think I think it's kind of pulling together that like his whole story arc is that he has a problem being in the moment when he's performing. But like, I also don't know how much time has passed. In this right. Movie. I mean, it's looking for for the times that he jumps back in. I'm I'm thinking it's like a week or less. But in that time, they've also had enough time to like mount their own production of the Magic Flute. At the Thank you. Yes. And and he <laughs> falls like, in love with, and everything. <laughs> and he falls in love with Sophie, which I know like it's a the- theatrical device that instantaneous right. love. Uh, you know, he does that with Pamina as well in a way. But like the water trial where it's supposed to be that it's true love can save them or something right and that's where i got like the the major never-ending story vibe um yeah because i mean it's essentially the same way that that uh bastion saves fantasia only he he gives her a name instead of you know saving her life saving her life and and, uh, instead of naming his true love he, he gives a name to the the childlike empress um, I was like, this is like right out of Neverending Story. <laughs> so, Aaron, is this conversation going the direction you thought it was going to go when you suggested yeah. this? <laughs> I know we'd be doing a lot of these. <laughs> a lot of like, oh, uh, I... bah, bah, bah. <laughs> what do you, when I watch these movies, I let my mind wander and I explore thoughts and things like that. And I was just like, what other opera could they have done? I actually think they should have done another opera for the conceit of like how when he goes into the magic flute world, they're singing, but then there's still a lot of dialogue. You know, it works, I guess, in um, Schmigadoon, you know, that they go back and forth between singing and talking. But in uh, the magic flute, the song number, the the singing is so much less of like, okay, now we have a production number that that I would have preferred them just be in recitative the whole time. However, the magic flute is not written that way, so they they can't. Uh... But so it makes me like wonder if like he had gone into a Verdi opera or a Wagner opera where at least they could be like, that could be the form of communication in that world that he enters where suddenly, like... you know, he's singing. Because another thought I have, it was like, okay, what if instead he goes into opera world or something where he has to, that we we're making up a quest because this is a quest movie as well, but he has to solve things like do a trial from here. Do one of the Turandot has trials. What are they? Or what are they? The, the riddles. The riddles. Yeah. He has to solve a riddle, like bounce around. I feel, I feel like, that's what this movie should have been to be like, you are getting an opera, you know, education. And there's that whole subplot that he's copying Bocelli singing. And it's like, you have to find your own voice. So like, I don't know. I, I was trying to make it better. And it was, <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm succeeding or not. With Somebody that, give us a budget. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, what, were we going we to remake series. Aria? Weren't we going to, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're just, now, now this is, this is the new mission. We are, we are now remaking all these opera movies. <laughs> <laughs> I did write, Ariana, I did write down that uh, during the Wrath of Hell, which is the Queen of the, the Queen of the, the Night Queen Aria, of the, the Aria. That I know you've sang this at 3 a.m. after murdering Glitter and Be Gay. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Me, 4 a.m. at the piano bar. Whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> just belting those notes. And I liked that they hired actual opera singers yes. for those roles. Because it could have gotten very wrong very fast. Yes. Yeah, it was it was interesting to me. One of the things I wish they had done, kind of going back to to movie to films like this where where you go into this fantasy world, is I wish they had double cast some of the roles in mm-hmm. each world. Like so I think Sophie should have been Pamina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that kind of thing. That's that, what I was that, looking for. You cuz because you saw it for a second on the train, you saw the uh, on the train when they're going, you see the three young boys coming, running through yes. the train, and it's so, like obviously, like my my mind immediately went, oh, those are the spirits. So so you're you're, and then he sees Sophie, and I'm like, okay, so she would be Pamina, so that makes sense. So so this is like the Wizard of Oz, where you you, you go into this fantasy world, and then these people look familiar to you because they're from the real world. You couldn't. Do, I, I wanted to see uh, Papageno be the roommate. Mm-hmm. yeah or you know? or yeah some you know yeah because then like, Zoroastro would be the teacher the, yeah Zoroastro the the headmaster the queen of the night would be her own thing obviously um the three ladies could have been three girls from the girls school you know that, or, that kind or of like thing. teachers as well in the background because right. they're supposed to be adults yeah they're adults. Not matter? yeah it, it, I mean it I mean everybody is supposed to be adults <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's, this is a little bit of a young Tamino, but you know, whatever. But <laughs> the young Tamino made a slightly awkward moment in the three ladies scene, where yeah. they're supposed to each of them is supposed to be singing how he's so sexy, and they don't want to leave him alone with any of the other three ladies, and they had to tone it down a lot for the film. That one, the translation did get toned down a lot, and I think the number shortened. Oh, also all the were what they sang it like two octaves lower yeah, <laughs> an octave lower, yeah they but... did not hire opera singers for those roles and i, I mean the the redhead the the like the, the soprano in there i mean i was like it's ariana grande <laughs> however comma i did like their sound like the mm-hmm. three women together yeah. and i was like i would get their album you know if they were mm-hmm. we're gonna be a girl group or something like i would totally listen to the them uh, but I think the only actual opera singers are Sabine, De- the, um, fuck it, the Queen of the Night. Yeah. And, the Queen of the uh, Night and, and Sorostro, probably. Sorostro, yeah. I follow him. Two. I follow him on, on Instagram. He is like, he's freaking amazing. Which, okay. Is Sorostro supposed to be not the villain, but painted as the villain because we're following the Queen? Yeah, so like here's here's one of the problems that I've always had with the opera is it's never really explained what this conflict is between Zarastro and the Queen of the Night. Um, I've heard different theories about it. Um, I, I've heard different, you know, there have been like people who've like written things about it. Like the Queen of the Night was married and her husband passed away and gave uh, the, the crown and, and the scepter to Zarastro instead of to her instead of letting her rule so there's like this conflict of she thought she was going to be taking over as a ruler but as a woman she couldn't and therefore you know Zarastro and, and it's never really explained like why Zarastro kidnaps Pamina um, you know because he's while he makes a very poor decision in putting Manastastos in charge of her he's looking out for her well-being in in theory he's he's 
protect he's trying to protect her from her mother from her mother's evilness and but it's never really explained why the queen of the night is evil or why you know and there's also been this theory that it's just it's just kind of thrust upon her because she's a woman who wants power and wants so therefore she's just by token of being a woman she's evil and, and wrong uh and and she's you know she just she just wants what is rightfully hers but it's never expressly these are all like conjectures that i've heard that it's never really expressly stated in the text or, or in any of it it sounds like it's a king triton ursula situation right very much where maybe they were siblings or maybe they were lovers or there's so many things that it may have been cut I forgot my Ouija board to talk to Mozart, by the way. So I'm sorry, everyone. You're supposed to remember these things, John. I forgot. But I, but I feel maybe there was a version or like some pages that he wrote that was like, eh, let's, let's condense this to three hours, not four. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought there, I, I really thought it was in the text that the Queen of the Night tells Pamina that when her father died, she gave the the solar amulet or whatever it is to Sarastro instead of her. But that it's often cut because sometimes directors do different things with those characters. So like, and, and I, I might be totally wrong. It might've, yeah, yeah, just been I, a fan I theory that, if, that a fan theory that I'm like interpolating. Uh, but there are productions that do different things with those characters. So like in one of the other film versions, it's more of a custody battle between the two meaning oh. Sarastra would have been the father but that but that's totally not in the text but it works so i guess it's just up to interpretation of the director to be like we got we got to figure this out and i guess this the this movie was like no we're not it likely comes from the the um masonic influence as well since like Sarastro is is representing the masonic enlightenment Oh, okay. And then uh, the Queen of the Night is the old way of thinking, like right, kind of like chaos. Interesting. In the opera, is there Mm -hmm. still that the Curse of Night or whatever the fuck they call it in this movie? No, not the way it's in the movie. Because they okay. Because in the movie, when we're in Magic Flutland, everyone who's listening who hasn't watched this, power to you, first of all. But <laughs> there's this, oh, there's this doom that's setting over whatever land we're in. I mean, I don't. It, it's never said. Is it said? Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. So we're Magic in Magic Flutland. We're in Magic Flutland, and there's this impending doom that the kid has three rules to follow. It breaks one of them and is still allowed back into the world somehow. Where one of, one of the blatant rules is you can't tell anyone you're on a quest. But I wasn't sure if that was for the magic flute land or at all, like anybody. I he- I interpreted that as when you go back to your time and your world, you can't tell anybody. Like this, this what ha- what what happens in Magic Flute Land stays in Magic Flute Land. <laughs> and see, and see, I've read Ready. I I have Ready Player One in my head. Where in the book version, there is a quest that you go on where you recreate movies, where you're playing a character in a scene, and you have to say the dialogue and any other 
things that you do outside of what's in the movie, you get docked points and it's uh, disqualification or whatever. So I'm like, okay, so clearly in Magic Flutland, he has to play Tamino. There is no wiggle room. You have to do it. And like, you know, he does sing the arias that he's supposed to sing. Um, It sounds like, though, the dialogue is him doing exposition for us being like what's going on what's what's the next trial what things that he should know things that he should know i also thought that like this was going to be when we were on the train and ariana you mentioned when we saw the three boys running i was like oh okay this is going to be a dream this Mm -hmm. is going to be he's on Mm -hmm. the train and somehow he got sucked into the world is that page master the page the page master it might be yeah i think yeah it it does sound like i never actually saw that but i know the premise so yeah there um i did an episode with jason kerr called the phantom toll booth that it's the same concept in a way where like you get you're in the real world and you get sucked into this imaginary world and i couldn't oh my god this movie is breaking my brain right now somebody else (laughs) talk please (laughs) Aaron, what? Uh, yeah. So, how about? <laughs> I'm spiraling, and I'm sorry. He goes. He goes to the famous Mozart Academy, which should be super competitive, but we never actually see the stress of the school. They talk about the stress of the school a lot, and how everyone loses sight of what's important in life. But the the only classroom scenes we get are the little factoids about about the Masonic influences and and Mozart's inspiration for writing the magic flute. And actually, I love those factoids. I I think I will sharp those. But yeah, there's like no, there's no drama at the school other than like some of the, there is some personal drama, but yeah, there's no real academic drama. Where his- It's not fame. His roommate was in love with the other roommate, but that person killed themselves? I think yeah. so. Yeah. So they the because the nepo baby bully, right? Because they were both being they were both being bullied, and the roommate did not have the resources to to deal with that well, and had other apparently other underlying yeah. issues of depression. And <gasps> I zoned out so yes. hard during these scenes that I was like, "Why? I don't really care what's going on." And then all of a sudden. The Nepo baby bully is in a trench where his foot is caught under a tree and somehow magically they both get out of it. Like, and then they, and then he, what what is the song that they sing? Um, I'll be there. there. They sing I'll be there. Where I was like, okay, one of the two songs that are not from the magic flute. Like, because the other one. very cringe. What what, what was the other one? The other one is. Well, he sings Bocelli. Oh yeah. And he sings Conte Partido. What's is that from? That what opera is that from? It's not from an opera. Is that from an opera? That's just a. It's, yeah. it's song. crossover. It's crossover pop. Great. Yeah, it's pop. Because I, I was like, I know this, and I felt like it was an opera, but I guess it's just a from Bocelli's album or yes, something. The Bocelli Sarah yeah. Brightman duet that you know was huge for. Ah yes. Yeah. Yes. And well, that, and that's why they like give it. They I mean, and they give him shit about that because that's not it's not really opera, and you know. <laughs> but also but even 
fiction Tamino should know that. <laughs> like, yeah, but like that was that was his go-to for let me show off in front of my class how good my voice is. Even um, though I'm being forced to sing something, and this is my go-to song? Question this mark. This is my go-to. Yes, my go-to is Conte Patiro. Even though I'm, you know, looking to be a big opera singer. Well, because yeah. like you would assume it would be at least a Mozart aria. You would it doesn't think. have to. I mean, with the movie called The Magic Flute, it should have been an aria from The Magic Flute that we don't see in Magic Flute Land. Is there one that Tamino sings that isn't in Magic Flute Land that we see? I mean, <laughs> I've never followed Tamino that much. I mean, he's got a lot more to say. <laughs> Tamino pisses me off. I'm sorry. <laughs> he sings, uh, he does sing a nice love song when he first gets to Sarastro's Temple, which mm. we don't see because he's he's in the real world like but it's slow but yeah that like well Conte Partiro's slow like yeah that that could have been an option I think I really think they did that as uh something familiar for the audiences and then they had to yeah they had to throw in like everybody making fun of it but I think they did it sincerely and so yeah I don't know it was a little that that did make me cringe yeah but I mean I mean let's be real the only things anybody knows from Magic Flute are the Queen of the Night uh papageno the the yeah i mean those are the thing you know and and if you're like a you know if if you're an opera student or whatever you you probably know ahi feels which is the tamina's aria but um nobody knows that tamino sings anything outside of you know actually seeing the opera and being part of the opera nobody cares about tamino well that i'm just i'm just asking because i was like why these two songs that are not from magic flute like I don't, there is no. I guess there's no rhyme or reason for them. I mean, they establish I, they establish on the train that Sophie likes Jackson Five. Well, yes, but I mean, mm. like, so that's so that's like their like that's that's like the connection between Sophie and Tim is, is they've got they they like outside of classical music they like the Jackson Five. <laughs> okay, I totally missed that. <laughs> no, that I that I saw, but I was just like, why this one, like. I'll be there. That's what they could get the rights for. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's where I was going with it, but but you found a better reason. <laughs> and also the 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 rules of the school does not make sense to me. Like I understand that they're in boarding schools and that they are in uh same gender dorms and but like magically he can go to her dorm, but like also they are sequestered into their own classes and then they only mix for like uh you know the show or <laughs> or the campfires it's a boy school boys school and a girl school it's just yeah it's it's very very old tradition i mean that's that's what mm. you know well, they, do, they, they but, do that with a lot of uh, boarding schools is, is they're they're gendered and then yeah when you when you do a production you mix them up so that you don't have to have i was expecting that when they were in history whatever that class is where they're learning the the themes of the magic flute uh that you know it'd be a mixed it'd be mixed it would be it would be too easy for him to find out her secret if that was the case that's true yeah that that her dad is the headmaster exactly you gotta you gotta keep them separate Uh, I feel like with our our you know posturing, we uh, we came up with a better movie. 
at what we saw. <laughs> um, I don't know what else, to, Aaron, what else do you have? Do you have anything else you want to mention? Ariana, do you have anything else you want to mention? Am I the only one Some who got... The... <laughs> Go ahead, Aria. Am I the only one who got Rex Smith vibes from uh, Tim during that first Aria in Magic Loot? <laughs> to like Pirates of Penzance? Pirates of Penzance, <laughs> Frederick. Oh. <laughs> well, because, I mean... I was, I... I was like, it's Rex Smith with less vibrato. <laughs> the, the other plus that this movie did is that they did hire not only opera singers, but people have a you know theatrical career yeah so they are they are singers no Um, i was really i was really impressed that there wasn't like a bad voice in in the cast there wasn't somebody that we were just like oh my god why you know right it wasn't like they threw beyonce to be queen of the night because then because that'll be for ticket sales at least they threw in people like i don't know any of these people outside of this movie to be fair Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like they all did their jobs. They all <laughs> they all came to play. Like they're like, we're ready. Let's do it. Um, it's it's just unfortunate. I think it's all writing that it came down to as bad. I don't know. Um, and it wasn't even. I I, I mean, it wasn't bad enough for me. Honestly, I was really hoping it was. <laughs> I did like the the look of magic flute land mm-hmm. like i i it, it, it seemed like they were going for like a middle eastern ins- inspiration which i'm not sure if that is influenced by like the original writing of it or like the original production which obviously there's no photographs cuz they weren't invented yet but yeah it it's usually staged kind of like mystic land kind of kind of maybe a middle eastern flavor because that just kind of feels exotic it's, it's right. always got kind of that exotic feeling to yeah. it yeah the old met production had um like like the 80s met production had like pyramids and obelisks it, it really was e- egypt-esque like yeah. a but like a fantasy egypt oh yeah because of all the masonry connections there's all yeah the, like the pyramids and things so, so yeah it does kind of makes sense to stage yeah yeah, kind of kind of exotic eastern egyptian but not authentic (laughs) have uh ariana have you only seen the one at the met the julie tamer one or have you seen other productions i've seen other productions on film um but uh, i've only seen the julie oh and um i did go uh i (laughs) i took a intensive years ago where magic flute was the production um so yeah i was not in that production um but you should you should contact that instructor and be like here's a movie for you right <laughs> uh erin have you seen the met one like either I, in person i've or... seen i've seen the julie Taymor one in via like the hd broadcast and then and then I've seen the the one that's kind of touring everywhere now, but um, ma- or making you know all the opera house rounds, where it's the black and white projections, and um, so it's styled like a Buster Keaton silent film, and the 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 actors singers are all painted white and wear like black and white costumes. Wait, where is this? Um, where do I find this? Um, it's been like honestly, it's it's really been everywhere now. Um, L.A., Chicago houston um 
Mm -hmm. <clears throat> oh, um, it premiered in it, it premiered in Europe, and I don't remember where. Maybe Germany. Uh, but then, yeah, it crossed over to L.A. And then from L.A., it's just been like across the country now. Um, it's cool. They uh, the, the, the spoken dialogue has been replaced with uh, silent film intertitles. Oh. And then. They, oh, shit. And then, Interesting. And then because there's no music for that to make it like a silent film, they've added like uh, a piano and harpsichord pieces from Mozart underneath. It's it's. You know, it's it's an interesting production and, and it, it is effective. Um, the Queen of the Night at some point when she comes out for like, yeah, like the Wrath of Hell. I uh, She is on a balcony in the stage or like on, like in a, a balcony in, in the screen, the projection screen, so that she's towards the top. And then they project like a, a giant cartoon spider body. Oh. And that, yeah, it, it's it's pretty wild. And then there was, uh, in Chicago, I saw the old production, like their, I guess they're like 80s, 90s production. I saw it at the end of its run, like like probably the last time it was uh, mounted, which was um, all done like 1800s masonry. So so like, like, you know, founding fathers, white wigs and stuff like that. I, I didn't really care for that one too much, but a lot of people really liked that one. And then they tried one... Um, only once which was i i thought w w was really clever um they built a simple two-story house on the stage that rotated and what the, they added a they added like a conceit that really doesn't add to the opera but 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 i did enjoy it which was it was being staged by by the neighborhood children who roped like all the adults and stuff into taking on roles oh, that's and cute. so <laughs> Um, and then they, and then like the costumes, it, you know, they would have used whatever they had, but so they're all like Disney inspired. Um, so the queen of the night looks like the evil queen from Snow White and Pamina looks like Snow White. And, and then the snake, it was, um, cardboard boxes in wrapping paper and that all the children like carry in a, in a, in a line to make look like a giant serpent. And, uh, I, I actually, yeah, I loved that production. Um, but it, it did not do so like, it did not get a lot of great reactions. So I think, I think they performed it once and then, you know, it'll probably never happen again. Those concepts sound exponentially better than what this garbage movie is. <laughs> and like, I don't even want to call it a garbage movie cause it's not bad. It's not good. It's just very meh. Yeah. yeah like, it's not horrible. It's, not it, horrible. it's really not horrible. I, I feel I don't know I don't I don't because like I've done a bunch of musical movies that like they're just insane I feel like if this was made in the 80s maybe it'll help because cocaine but with what we got it's not great but it's it's sounding like the the magic flute is like one is like Romeo and Juliet where you can set it anywhere these days and it make it work make it justified I mean, it's, uh, it's it's a fantasy, and it's and it's always been a fantasy. So that does give you a lot more room to play with. It, I mean, I mean, it clearly is not something that's taking place in the real world in any any aspects. You right. Know. So oh, also after room. after seeing this one, a friend of mine sent me a, a YouTube video of um, Super Mario Magic Flute, 
and it is a full production yes. that's 80s Nintendo themed and it it is really good. Like the translation is is so clever for that. Is Donkey I've Kong Sorostro? I don't remember. You know, I actually don't remember Sorostro. Or Manastatos. I'm saying that. Manastatos is Luigi. Manastas. Oh. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, really, the Queen of the Night is the, the antagonist of the opera. But is... Say the name again, Ariana. Manastatos? Yeah, him. Is he supposed to be, like... Just little, you know, kinky pervy. So he's like a little minion. He's kind of a villain. And like what you don't get from from this because it's truncated is he actually does join the Queen of the Night at at some point. Got it. Um, and like the there's there's a final trio which is Manasatos, Queen of the Night, and I think one of the three ladies. I forget, I forget what the character, but where where they like descend into hell, which. Yeah, he's hench- he's henchman villain. Yeah, yeah, henchman henchman number one. <laughs> um, slash kinky, like you said. <laughs> slash kinky. And, and, and yeah, and he's I mean, and he's supposed to be. I mean, what you miss with like this production has taken out the racism. He's he's a Moor, so he's supposed to be black and a that's why he's yeah. like hideous yeah. and and, can't and like the late. only one in the only yeah. one stated you know in, yeah. in the libretto. Yeah. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Well, glad they got and rid it, of that. Yeah, and I mean, I think he is supposed to be like physically deformed. Like he's, he's he is supposed to be like hideous in other ways. But but well, yeah. at, at least in the movie, they made him blind in one eye, <laughs> and that's his they department. gave him the they gave him the film Phantom of the Opera makeup, yes. basically. Oh. <laughs> I mean, well, so... I, but it was better than that. It actually was better. Don't, don't get me started. We'll be here a long time. <laughs> So when um, I didn't realize that was Manasatos in, um, until later. So when he sings, you will not dare. I was like, I thought he was Sarastro. And I was like, this is not Sarastro. No, no, he's, he's on a power trip, basically. You know, he's, I think they yeah. did that in purpose in this film, too. Because how you get that plot twist in the magic flute you get the plot twist that at first you're on the queen of night side and then through the journey you switch sides now to sarastros we've never the way it's set up here um there are some like introductory things about sarastro that we don't see in the truncated version and so i think they i think they did that purposely like if i was coming at it with clean eyes i would figure that Manositos was the villain who kidnapped Pamina. I mean, but yeah, I think on persons uh, on purpose, so that when Sarastros finally does enter into the chamber, it's even more of a surprise. Like, oh, that's not who I, you know, that's not who I thought the villain was. Because again, I don't remember the the opera. When, like, I don't really pay attention to the opera when I was working on it. But I was listening to this, and I was like, he doesn't sound menacing. He's a tenor. He doesn't sound menacing. He sounds weird. So. I'm gonna laugh instead, and and then all of a sudden they're like Sarastro, and they point to somebody else, and I went, "Oh, got it. <laughs> Understand now. You're not, you're not him. You're you're the underling who likes to beat up people for sexual pleasure. I guess I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> is there anything else y'all want to talk about before we get into Sharp and Flat? 
there was like in Magic Flute Land, there's a lot of scoring that is not underscoring. That's not Mozart, which Thank you. I, seems to kind of break the idea to me. Yeah, I did write that down where I was like, is this other music in the opera or is it other Mozart related music? But I guess it's not. Anyway, let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Sharp Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if you didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. Who wants to go first and with their flats? Let's start with flats. Might as well, right? Ariana, go first. Okay, okay fine. Oh, yeah. oh, no, I'm on the spot. Oh, no, uh, I mean, so, like, flats, I'd say definitely, like, the missed opportunity of having characters double up in both worlds. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say uh, the lack of connectivity between the real world and the opera world, kind of, like, like there wasn't, like you said, it, it was, like, two different scripts got mashed together and went, oh, these will kind of work together so there yeah. wasn't like a there wasn't like a real reason for it you know it, it, this idea that he was just like trying to find his authentic self and somehow going into magic flute land made that happen i um yeah that that was kind of an odd choice yeah because because <laughs> the the spirits at the beginning are like we're here to help you find what you want what you desire and up until the water trial, I thought it was him wanting to play Tamino in the play, right in the in the right like that. That's well, and I mean, and he even says that it, it, when they're telling him that he's like, oh, to 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 get cast or, or right. Something. But all but all of a sudden, when when to get the part to get the part in the play. Oh, that's the other thing. He says to get the part in the play. It's not a play. It's an opera, and you should know that. And <laughs> well, so so what, that's during... a distinction that should have been made by you. During the water trial, when he and Pamina have their telekinetic conversation. <laughs> never for, ending story. Yeah. Right, I was, never ending story. <laughs> where she's like, you need to, it's about true love and everything. And then he says Sophie's name. And I'm like, you guys went on one date and that's it. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, so like the, the whole kind of. It's hard to say that that's a flat just because we're talking about a film and we're talking about a time constraint. But yeah, it it the the time the timeline on this is is kind of a flat for me because I'm not really sure what that timeline is. Any other flats, Ariana? Or no, that, those know, are big ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, surprisingly, uh, this did not have. A, oh, and and my oh my other flat would be that this was not as bad as I was hoping it would be. It was not as bad shit. I'm gonna agree uh, with you I, on that I one. I kind of I wish it had been just like a little more campy, a little bit more what the fuck. Um, so so I guess kind of in a weird way, my flat Ooh. is that I actually kind of liked it more than I expected to. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I was hoping to like it because the way my thought behind seeing the trailer and then you guys talking to me about it, I was like, oh, this is crazy mm-hmm. this is uh this is like voyage of the rock aliens level insanity right. and then to have the letdown yeah no like i expected that... i expected to like it regardless but i expected it was just going to be like this level of that and just like from i said did i send you that instagram review i don't remember i think i did but yeah but like but just from that instagram review where she's just like it's somebody who like loves this and it's fantastic and then this big sexy fat black man comes in and it's like this great review and and i'm like yes this is just gonna be like 
batshit and I'm gonna and it's gonna be amazing. And it wasn't. It was like, and but but it wasn't bad either. It was. It's just like kind of. It's kind of in this. It's not bad, but it's not great. But I wouldn't mind watching it again, kind of place, which is like a weird thing to say makes it a flat for me, but it does. <laughs> uh, Aaron, what are your flats? It reminds me a lot of um, like the Nutcracker and the Four Realms movie that came <gasps> yes! out. Yes, and even my even my desire to see it or my excitement before it came out was similar. Where it's like, you know, a piece of music, a piece of art that I love. The story does not always make sense. It could use a little clarification. I wonder how they're going to smooth that out. And then instead of doing that, they just make a whole bunch more questions and problems with the film, you know, that that need explanations, I think. Um, I'd probably flat most of the first, like, what, 15, 20 minutes where they're doing the, the school intros where are super cliche. Uh, and you know the various cliques throughout the school um sophie picking him up on the train (laughs) oh my god so it's sounding like we all just didn't like the boarding school aspect of this movie like the magic flute aspect was fine it was it was it was good some might say it was the best part of this movie but like i feel like the boarding school aspect is what brings it to a bummer to like, you know. Yeah. And especially yeah. because I think it could have been done well. I, I think there are ways that it could have worked and yeah. just for whatever reason it doesn't. And this movie. Yeah, I think they had cold. I think they had cold feet to make a purely, uh, 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 in a, uh, what a faithful film of the magic flute. So they added, you know, they added the hook of, um, of the boarding school, plot line but it that yeah that whole thing does kind of fall flat there's things i like about it which we'll get into later but but overall yeah that falls flat um this duet with so well yeah it's 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 a lot of the boarding school stuff um (laughs) the duet with sophie would not be there it just uh yeah (laughs) it was really flat for me it turned into a montage and you're like what's that can everybody hear this what's going on and then they add the the little bit in the magic flute world about the high five. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of reminded me of uh at one of the one of the productions at the Met, um Papageno flosses on stage. Oh my yes. goodness. He does flossing. And I lost my fucking mind when I heard about that. And I was like, I can't I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Um, Pamina's aria felt flat to me as well during the during the trial of silence. I wrote it as Pamina Blues. I forgot what the line is, but um, it's it is like you said, it's one of the more well known pieces from the opera, and uh, yeah, it just it it fell flat for me overall. Um, F. Murray Abraham, I guess, is American, and then Sophie is like. I don't know Scottish Dublin or or Liverpool. She, or she talks. Her she talks about coming from yeah. Scenes. She from talks London. about coming from London, and she's definitely got He's like from, more yeah, of an and, Irish and accent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it's pretty subtle until like 
he's in her he's in her dorm room and all of a sudden she's like i don't know it gets it's really thick because the emotions um, come up when, when, once you start getting more emotional those accents come out thicker that's true that's true that's totally what it is and how papagena's last scene since we haven't had we haven't had the intro we, we haven't been given the whole point of her appearing as an old woman yeah and it it we don't really get a payoff with that and in fact it makes like the whole message about about him choosing her when she's beautiful uh it kind of misses the point it makes that confusing papageno also really gets the last song in the whole movie yeah they do which i thought is weird and um uh uh, flat we don't see what happens to the queen or monocytos no you just see monocytos is is in, in a cage at the end Oh, okay. So it's yeah. just the queen where I, th- but, I don't yeah, think Yeah, but we have like no no idea what happened to the queen. You know what? It, yeah, and that is that is a terrible oversight. Um <laughs> are you uh, any more flats or is that it? One more. One more. Okay. One more. When t- when Tim comes to uh meet Sophie at the train, he tells her, "You are music." <laughs> <laughs> And I said, our love is like rain. <laughs> like, what does this mean? <laughs> um, so my flats, I first flatted the, the Pret-a-Mange product placement because they like bitch slapped you in the face with that bag, that massive bag. And, and it's in like a few scenes. So I was like, you're getting your money's worth, I guess. Um, I also flatted Dr. Longbow, the headmaster, because like, He's not evil enough. Like, Ariana, you had it right. There's like an overall camp factor that's missing in this. Yeah, and it, like, it, it, just, it doesn't go far enough in, in a lot of places. And like, if if you were if we were doing the double casting, I'd want him to be Monastatos mm-hmm. or some or or the Queen of the Night, and we totally switch genders and everything. But How like, dare we, you? What? <laughs> Take my well, Aria? female headmaster. Maybe. What is wrong? Well, okay, okay, okay. For, for no, no, as the headmaster. Okay. okay, okay. That's what I mean. I, I thought we were keeping F. Murray Abraham, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, 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 no. Is that I'm saying like we switch, we switch the genders <laughs> of the headmaster to the queen of the night, because then that actually make- that makes a lot. Actually, that's probably the yeah, because I wasn't really sure about that double casting because well, I didn't want to see him as Zarastro. That makes a lot of sense. I w- I'm not sure if we want to keep the Queen of the Night as her own character mm. or if we're doing like a total Alice in Wonderland kind of scenario. I'm pulling so many references this episode. It's great. Then that'll make sense. But if you, if you gender swapped the headmaster to a headmistress and made her much more over the top camp and then doubled her as the Queen, as of, the the queen night, of the Night, that would have fixed a lot of that i think um i'm also flatting the water cgi because it just looks so <laughs> bad like when they were underwater i know i know they probably filmed in a tank or something but it just looked bad whatever they did and then my final flat is for the cinematography during before our holy altar which is sarastro's song aria and he keeps going out of frame i'm like he is the one that's singing. Follow him. Follow him. I don't care about focusing on Papageno or Tim Tamino or uh, Pamina. Fucking follow the person who's singing. It was wild. 
All right, Sharps. Ariana, you go first. Uh, so Sharps, definitely the fact that they took this three-hour opera and condensed it into like these three segments that made sense for the most part. I mean, you know, there are definitely things that were left out. I feel like you could use what they used for for this movie and kind of piece that together and maybe add a few more things in to do like a truncated stage production of magic flute well is this the the shortened version at the met no 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 there's there's a lot more in the in the shortened version of the Met. okay <laughs> uh, well yeah. i wasn't sure if like they they yeah took no, a shortened no, this, version and then even no this this is like their own edit i would say Got it. um i i would take that edit and just kind of flesh it out just a little bit with with some things that were pulled out and i, I think you'd have a good like children's you know young people's performance you know young okay. young audience uh get, get you into to uh experience opera and you know kind of thing um i liked that you know while not all of the performers were operatic they could all sing and and yes. you know and mostly like the the papageno was uh in the london cast of spring awakening you know so he had that background oh, oh, oh. Uh, oh. yeah Interesting. Uh, yeah and, and i don't i'm not sure about like any of the others but it you know it and 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 tim also had a lot of stage experience i don't know that there was a lot of musical experience in there but still you know he sounded like a legit you weren't you didn't hear i mean you heard him singing you're like mm, opera maybe not but you weren't like oh god how did he get into this school because he can't carry a tune um so like that was nice i really liked i appreciated that you know from from a singing perspective um because i did one of the first things i did was pull up imdb and try to see if anybody was dubbed um and they weren't no and that to their credit like i'm seeing um asha banks who played Mm -hmm. pamina her first stage credit is playing young eponine in the miz and i mean she she had the weakest voice for me honestly but you know um but but even so it wasn't bad you know and she also was in a production of spring awakening in london <laughs> they're probably the same one they probably know each other you know uh and and i'd say like a lot of you know and the sharp is like a lot of a lot of the visuals for this were really good um the sharp again like i was talking about in, in the beginning the fact that they kind of give reason for tamino not to to be the first one to find pamina that they that they knocked him out instead of just having him faint in front of the stage <laughs> so you know that i it, it's weird this this film is just so weird for me because it's like there are a lot of things that i feel it did right and then there's like we didn't go far enough and it wasn't quite yeah. what it could have been um so it i think it's a good again i i think this film is like a good introduction to somebody who's like not really thinking opera is something they want to look at you know it kind of it it makes it accessible in a way that I like, you know, and it, it's not, again, it's not the best film. We definitely, it definitely has its problems, but it's not so terrible that showing it to somebody that this wasn't, you know, opera's not their forte or whatever is, is going to be like, eh, it's opera, you know? So I, I think it's, I think it's a pretty decent film overall, which is more than <laughs> I was expecting, I guess. Um, wow yeah that's yeah. high praise I, I well i mean you know i 
it, it, I was I was hoping for more bad shit, but but it, uh, it 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 actually worked pretty well for me uh, for the most part. I watched it more than once. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, like partly. I mean, just partly to to make sure I was getting a couple of points, but um, I I, I don't. It was certainly it was no aria. Let's just. <laughs> That's great. Um, uh, Aaron, what are your sharps? Let's see. I would sharp. I, I enjoyed seeing Tamino singing while being actually chased by a snake. That's that's super hard to pull off in in live production, and I thought that was well done. I like your description of the one where it's the kids. That, that was really sounds, cute. That sounds fun. I'll send you. I'll send you a picture of that. I know there's some promo photos of that scene. The Queen of the Night's Castle, I thought was really effective with like the blue flames and her her flowing gown. It even uh, I it it referenced um, it referenced a famous painting, a Simone Quaglio painting, where it's like the uh, was on the cover of a lot of the a lot of the printed scores. I think it gets used a lot, where it's like a rocky cliff and her gown going up over the rocks and, and the torches. And so I I think they uh, you know they knew what they were referencing. I think they did that really well. Um, when <laughs> F. Murray Abraham has like a diva moment when he tells Tamino, sure, you have a fine voice. You can use it when you'll be singing in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) And I say, yes. Sassy gay man. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I, I really liked his roommate, Paolo, and I liked Paolo's story. Like that could have been a whole, just like you said, the two, the two scripts that have been mashed up, that could have been a much more compelling film on its own. Um, But Paulo is a character as, you know, uh, a supportive friend to, to, to Tim. Uh, um, I I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the character. I really enjoyed how the actor played the character. Uh, Similarly, um, Sophie's roommate, Olive, she was a lot of fun. Yeah, I sharp uh, olive. So I also sharped live olive, and I also sharped the the casting of opera singers or singers in general for this. Um, I'm sorry to jump, but wait, Aaron, are you done with your sharps? No, just you go ahead. Me? Yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. I my sharps are for the costume design for the Magic Flute, flute World. It was interesting. I don't understand what is on Pamina's chin, but. <sighs> Okay. It was very I'm, Padme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I I like that they were pulling influences from different cultures, but also make it a little fantasy. I feel like though they could have pushed it further, you know. Um and then I also sharp the three ladies. I know I know they're probably not right for what the magic flute needs, like vocally, they're not right, but I liked their interpretation and again i would you know if they decided to be a a band like heart or the chicks i would buy their album (laughs) uh would you add any of the songs from this movie specifically to your life's playlist no (laughs) i did yeah i i did like the wrath of hell Mm. i think i mean she and she is an opera singer so yeah yeah, but there's other great recordings, you know, like, yeah, I don't know that I would choose any of these. There's a, there's a thing with singing on film that takes a lot of the power away from the vocal that makes 
it no, no and like no matter how good you are um everything feels less everything feels um very light i guess and not as connected as as i would want to hear in an actual performance um i'd say the exception in this case would be the zarastro um but like even the queen of the night like her voice was lovely it was but it felt like there was holding back it felt like there was something there was power that wasn't behind it that should have been behind it that she probably has in a live setting um so these are not things that i want to hear coming up on my playlist just because it feels like something's missing from the vocal and i don't well i'll i'll then add your version of it at at 4 a.m at the bars (laughs) and 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 it's nothing again like i said it's nothing against the performer at all it's it's really just kind of how these things get interpreted when you record them for film. It's just, it's a different way of singing and it's a different technique. And you can't, you can't put all that power uh, behind your vocal into a, a studio microphone that you're going to put, you know, on the stage of the Metropolitan Opera. It just, it doesn't translate. Yeah. Cause yeah. there's a, there's the, there's the difference between like recording it and you have to think of what you're going to mm-hmm. do on film or what you did on film to mm-hmm. then make, sense which i feel like you know some other movies musical movies um you know that's a hindrance to them right but when you're on stage and you're making a choice that night for that specific performance i mean you're gonna you're gonna it's it's almost like there's like there's more of and this might sound weird there's like more of a specificity with the music and making sure that like the notes are right and making sure that everything is placed right rather than focusing on the overall performance. So it's, it's almost like there's, there's a passion and there's, there's a connect, there's an emotional connection that's missing from the vocal because you're more concerned with, because this is something you can play over and over and over again. So if if there's a, a problem with it, you're going to hear it. Whereas in a live performance, if a note is a little bit off or a little bit out of place, it's not as noticeable and it's just something that you feel as like part of the emotion and part of the the feeling of the piece. Whereas on a recording, if you can go back, it's like, Oh, that was, that wasn't right. You know? So, so I, I feel like you just, you lose, you lose interpretation yeah. when, when you record for a film like this. And, and so listening to it just as an audio uh, without the visual and everything else makes it fall very flat for me as, as a performance. You know, you need it. It needs the visual. It needs the whole. It needs the whole performance to make it feel right. Wow, this movie just did not hold up for anybody. <laughs> All of us are just like, meh. Uh, we watched it. It's yeah. Fine. It's it's like it. It's not. There's like no. It, it, it There's like no passionate. I I loved it or passionate. I hated it. It's yeah. just like it's. It's not bad, and and I wouldn't object to watching it again. That's kind of where it falls. And on that note, we're done with the episode. We're calling it. <laughs> uh, what do you have to plug or promote? Let's start with Ariana. Uh, well, I just recorded a demo for a new musical uh, called Metra. Uh, I'm not sure 
I'm not sure what's happening with that at this point. Um, but that's done and uh there should be a backers reading sometime in April, I think is what they're talking about. Um oh. so there's there's that and then there's, you know, my never ending what the hell am I doing with my life and I'm still trying to write my own show, uh my own cabaret, which may or may not ever happen. <laughs> you never know. Uh, where can the good people find you though? Like, what are your plug the handles? Come on. Okay, you know, so it's you know yeah. So I'm I'm Lady Aria everywhere. Um, Instagram has the underscore at the end of it because somebody stole my name. Um, but if you look up Lady Aria, it's usually the first thing that comes up anywhere. And if you just Google my name, Ariana Armand, because I'm the only one out there. Uh, you know my my website comes up and my YouTube and and. I'm I'm really easy to find on social media and and on the interwebs. Just search my name. Uh, Aaron, what do you have to plug or promote? I have a completely non-related IG and podcast. You can find me on IG under Storybook Podcast or at Sacred Lore of Witchcraft, where we go through a, a lot of Grimm's fairy tales. Some other people have suggested other uh, folklore tales or literary works and we look for the little pieces of mythic wisdom that we find within you should do magic flute just saying because considering we're doing a series of magic flute <laughs> by the time we finish i think yeah i think i'll be ready great um and it, uh, i don't know this this is such a blah episode for a blah movie if you have a <laughs> a strong opinion on either direction about this specific movie let me know uh you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok at buttersongpod uh aaron mentioned some very fascinating concepts of the opera that he has seen either the whole thing or clips of what you the listener what is the craziest version of the magic flute you've seen tell me what what the director decided to do with that concept. Did somebody set it on the moon like they did Bohem that one time? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that happened. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we'll be talking about the young girls of Rochefort. Ariana and Aaron, thank you so much. A and A, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sorry that, like, I mean, I didn't pick this one, so it's not my fault. <laughs> it's on us. <laughs> It wasn't bad. It wasn't I know. Good, it, wasn't, but it wasn't bad. It's just very like meh. At least with Aria, you know, when we did it, we were both hating it and we oh, both yeah. hated me for picking it. But this one, I'm just like, I don't know who to be mad at. There's there's no there's nothing to be mad about. Like that's just it. There's nothing to be mad about. It's just it it is what it's it is. There. And it's not it's not good, it's not bad, it's just it is what it is and something we've seen and we did it (laughs) well thank you everyone for listening and bye for now bye bye special thanks to Aaron Troy for creating the pods artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles a huge thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast and thank you again for tuning in to today's episode of Life's But a Song bye for now everyone and have a musical day